Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Okay, great to see everybody. Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. And a couple shout-outs. Aunt Donna Farley, nice, nice to hear you're watching. And also Aunt Mary Ackerson, you too, and Aunt Marion Maloon, my, my three aunts uh, watching. It's great to hear from you. Um, also, birthday shout-outs, Beth McBride, Josh Wilson, and Joanne Hoff that I know of. If I'm missing them, you just got to let me know. Send me an email, okay, nhcc at comcast.net, or text me. You guys all know. Anyway, today the title is Naaman's Leap of Faith. Naaman takes a leap of faith, 2 Kings 5, 13 and 19. And speaking of leaps, uh, jumping in the water with Naaman, we're going to see in a little bit. Uh, I have a, a quick video of myself taking a jump. When the pool was closed, we got a temporary pool, which was great. Thank you, Aunt Rosie. Uh, I had a temporary pool up to it tipped over. But anyway, uh, we, have, we have a lot of action in that pool. But anyway, you'll, well, you'll see why it probably didn't help. Uh, and it, it, the ground was sloped. That didn't help. But then some other activity. Well, watch the video. Okay, you're back again. Great. And I had another video in, uh, of Dan Fest on the slip and slide at his place, and he will not send it to me. He does not want to be famous, or almost famous. He doesn't want to be almost famous, but Dan went on the slip and slide, <laughs> and he slipped and slide. It was really, really funny. So anyway, uh, Dan, if you can get Dan to show him your video, you will laugh. That's even funnier than the one I just showed you. But you should have seen what I did when I was much younger. When I was much younger, uh, much, much younger than I am now, what I used to do, my grandfather had a, a pool. He was one of the first people to have an indoor swimming pool. And I remember I was a kid, and this was many years ago, and he uh, had this indoor pool, and we would all swim. But when the adults would go in and we were still out swimming, what we would do is uh, <clears throat> we would climb up on the, there was a hot water heater because it was a heated pool, not just an in-ground pool, but it was a heated pool. Amazing. And so we'd climb up on the hot water heater, and then he, there was a wooden fence that went around the whole pool. The wooden fence from the hot water heater went over to the bathhouse. It was a, a you know place where we all got changed and everything and we would you know walk real careful on the the wooden fence there was like a little ledge inside of it we could walk on if we were careful and then we get to the to the bathhouse and we climb onto that and we take a good running start and jump off the bathhouse into the swimming pool and if you jump hard enough and you were careful you could get into the water we always made it in we could make it in wish i had that on video well today we're going to see that naaman takes a leap of faith into some water. He takes a leap of faith into the Jordan River we're going to see. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you for this powerful story of Naaman, the leper, how you've been working in his life and, and taking him to the final step today. I pray that each one of us would, your Holy Spirit would touch our hearts through this and, and take us forward in another step of faith. Or if someone has never put their faith in you, that this would be the, the, the first step of faith, that their salvation itself but, and for the rest of us, the steps of sanctification, I pray that your spirit would speak to us now and, and convict our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so quick review. Naaman's a leper, and he, Elisha comes to Israel for the cure. Little girl tells him, and Elisha tells him, go wash in the Jordan seven times, dunk, dunk, dunk seven times. It's, but he, he's mad. He doesn't want to do that. He's too proud for that. His servants plead with him. So what will he do? 
Well, we're going to see that today, and we're going to see some very important lessons for us today. Let's pick it up here with 2 Kings 5, 13, we'll start with. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then? When he tells you, wash and be cleansed. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all the attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Ramon to bow down and he is leaning on my arm and I bow there also. When I bow down to the temple in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. Go in peace, Elisha said. And it's, it's interesting that, we'll talk about this more next time, but it's very interesting that he wouldn't take any payment because remember, Naaman had already tried to earn his salvation. He's making a, a very important point here. No, you couldn't earn it, and you're not paying for it afterward. It's free. Grace is free. Grace is free. So, here we go. Verse 14. Verse 14. Uh, let's see here. So, he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. He went down and dipped. Went down. That's a key word there, because he had to get off his high horse. He had to get out of that chariot. He had to humble himself before he was going to get his cleaning. He had to climb off of his chariot, off of his high horse, and go down into that muddy river in order to get his his healing. His healing. And this is a picture of salvation. This is a picture. This is an Old Testament type of a New Testament reality. It's a, the picture of his healing is a picture of our salvation. And this is what each of us must do. We must humble ourselves in order to, to be cleansed. And he dipped himself seven times. Seven times. Why? Because seven is a picture in the Bible of completeness. And this was complete repentance. Complete death to self is vital in order for us to, to, to come to the cross of Jesus Christ. There has to be, com- there has to be complete repentance to, to come to the cross. It's what we must all do. We must all do. We must all realize that we are lepers. We are all covered with disease. We're all covered with sin. Completely covered with sin. And, and how filthy we are because of that sin. We have to come to that understanding. It's very, very important. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 64, verses 5 and 6, he says, How then can we be saved? Isaiah says, How then can we be saved? All of us have become like, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Oh, he said, what? what's so bad about a filthy rag? The, the, he, he uses, the, the actual word is menstrual cloths. 
and and the the menstrual cloth was considered unclean. That was an un, very unclean thing. You couldn't if you were you know a woman having the period, you were unclean during that time. It was that was considered a very unclean thing. And he's saying all of us are completely unclean. Unclean. That's what we are. Remember I talked about Peter and the menorah and, and the story a couple weeks ago. And Peter and the menorah. Each, and how he was covered with menorah going to face his grandmother. And how each of us are unclean like that. Each of us, just like he dreaded to see his grandmother. We cannot go into God's presence. We're completely covered with sin. We need to be washed in the river. Washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only way to be clean. Think of now, today, if you have the coronavirus. If you have the coronavirus, everybody's terrified of you, you know? It, 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 it is like you have leprosy now, you know? People are just terrified of this, and it's only getting worse. Uh, there's reasons, but we're not going to go into that. But if you, if you have the coronavirus, you're not supposed to go near anybody. You could actually get arrested for doing that. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't spread the disease, and we should be careful. And we, you know, and, and if you have, if you have coronavirus, you should, you should, Stay, keep yourself quarantined, obviously. But, but there's this, imagine you walking out in public into a crowded place with coronavirus and you know it and you say, I have coronavirus. You know, everybody flee, run away, freak out, right? You can't go near anyone. And, but that's a picture of what leprosy was like, remember? Unclean, unclean. You can't go near anybody. They just stay far away from you. You have the leprosy. If you remember the stories? Coronavirus, the same idea. It's an amazing connection. Same idea, masks, the whole thing. But imagine just as we have coronavirus and everybody stays away from us, they're scared of us, we can't go to church, you know? It's the same, just like lepers couldn't go into the temple. It's the same thing with, with coronavirus. It's a, really a picture of sin. We, it cuts us off from other people. It hurts our relationship. And it cuts us off from God. Not coronavirus, but sin, which is coronavirus, a picture. Just as coronavirus cuts us off from people, sin cuts us off from others and from God himself. Cuts us off. Cuts us off. And look where Naaman had to go for his cleansing. Look where he had to go. He had to go to the Jordan River. The Jordan River. There was only one place. Joshua, uh, Elisha, I'm going to talk about Joshua in a minute. Elisha, there's only one place he told him he could get his healing. He had to go to the Jordan River. He had to go there. He said, why can't I go to one of the other rivers, you know, where I grew up? No, no. One river. And this is a picture that there is one way. One way to be saved. There's just one way. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is one way to the one true God. His name is Jehovah. He has one name. It's Jehovah. No other names. There's one true God. The rest are false gods. Imposters. The Bible says that the idols, the gods that are worshipped as idols, are demons. They're just fallen angels who are looking for worship. There's one way to one true God, and that's through Jesus Christ. It's only by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and what He did for us, how He has washed us. That is the only way, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. We must each take a leap of faith by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. His death on the cross in our place, the blood that He shed to wash us, we have to put our faith 
in Jesus, our trust in him, give our life to him. We must all take that leap of faith. But there's even more here with the Jordan because the Jordan literally means spreading judgment. That's what the word literally means, spreading judgment. It's a picture of judgment for sin, including death. It's a picture of death, the, the ultimate effect of sin. And the last reference that we have for Elisha's location do you remember where, where he was staying, where his school of prophets, where he was hanging out? It was Gilgal. Gilgal. Now let's connect some dots. Very interesting. It's the same exact place that Elijah crossed, that Elijah crossed the Jordan. And it's the same place that Elisha recrossed the Jordan. If you've been following along, you know what I'm talking about. Elijah was a picture, a type of Jesus Christ. And, it's, and his crossing is a picture of his death and resurrection. Elijah's crossing is a picture of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. Going into death, coming out, out through the river miraculously, his resurrection. Elisha is a picture of the apostles and us, by extension. It's a picture of, of our salvation. We follow Elijah through, but then we recross. That's a picture of death to self, death to ourselves. This is the same exact spot where Joshua, earlier, Joshua had crossed the Jordan miraculously. It opened up for Joshua. And Joshua and the Israelites followed him through miraculously. It's the same exact place. And we already know that Joshua is another picture of Jesus Christ. Joshua, Jesus, same exact word, Hebrew, uh, same, same word, different uh, language, but the same word. And it's the same spot that Jesus was baptized. Same, we've been through this, if you've been following along, it's the same exact place where Jesus was baptized. Why? Because Jesus didn't have to be baptized for his own sin. He was baptized as a prophetic picture of how he was going to die on the cross and come back to life. He went down under the Jordan water, came up out of that river, and, and, and it was like a picture of him dying, being buried, and coming back up to life again. It was a prophetic picture of his death and resurrection. And Elisha, uh, so Jesus, I'll come back to Elisha in a minute. Uh, why did Jesus go under the water? He had to go under to show that he was dying, going to die, and he had to come up out to show he's going to have a new life. That's, that's also why Naaman went under the water. He had to go under the water and come back out again. It was a picture of his salvation. It's a, a, it's a, it's a picture of salvation. All of us are commanded in the Bible clearly commanded to be baptized. After we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the next step, believe and be baptized. And the baptism in the New Testament is always under the water and coming out again. Why? Because it's a picture of dying to self and coming out as a new person. There's no such thing as sprinkling in the Bible for a baptism. There's no such thing as babies getting sprinkled. They can't believe. It says believe and be baptized. It's always follows belief and it's always immersion under and out again. If you've never done that, you've got your chance here to do it right. Uh, the, what the way the Bible teaches and it's powerful. It's a moving experience. If you've never done it, you've been cheated spiritually. I'm telling you, it's a powerful, powerful experience to go under the water of a river and come back out again. We're going to have one August 2nd in the Delaware River and it's, it's a beautiful experience. So if you haven't been baptized yet, God's way, the biblical way, I want to encourage you to let me know, talk to me, and we'll get you, get you connected. Even if you've got to drive a little ways, you're listening from somewhere, come on down, we'll get you in that river. There's room in the river for you. All right, Awesome, awesome experience. But now we find that 
All, remember the connection, Elijah, Elisha, Joshua, Jesus. And now we find in the same exact spot, Naaman the leper being baptized. Naaman the leper being going under the water and coming out again seven times, being healed and saved in the same spot. You know why? Because there's one way to be saved for both Jews and Gentiles. He's a Gentile. There's one way to be saved for Jews and Gentiles. We must be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We must follow Jesus Christ into that river. Dying to self and becoming a new person in Jesus Christ. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you taken that leap of faith? Have you taken that step of faith? Giving your life to Jesus Christ. Now, Naaman, then it says here in 2 Kings 5, where it says, verse 14, and he said, his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. His flesh was restored clean like a young boy. He was born again, physically. Physically born again. It's like he's a little kid again. His skin healed. The leprosy was gone. He was no longer the walking dead. He was renewed. He was reborn. Born again. And that's exactly what happened. He was born again. Not just physically, like looked like he was, but he was born spiritually. Reborn spiritually born again. That's exactly what happened. Look at verse 15, what he says. The very next thing he says after this, he says, uh, now I know that there's no God in all the world except in Israel. Wow. Now I know there's only one God. This is it. He's the only God. He went from not wanting to submit to God to completely worshiping the one true God. Knowing it. He got it. He was, he was born again. Also look at verses 17 to 19 where it says here, if, uh, he says, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifice to any other God but the Lord. This is a conversion. This is someone who has been born again. It's a dram- dramatic change. He rejected after he was cleansed and, and saved. Spirit is physically and spiritually saved. Cleansed physically, saved spiritually. He says he will never, he rejected all the idols for the one true God. Think about this. This Gentile rejected all idols for the one true God. What were the Israelites doing? Most of them. They were rejecting the one true God for the idols. Prophetic picture of the Gentiles coming to Jesus Christ. When most of the Jewish nation and the Jewish, the religious leaders were going to reject Jesus, but the Gentiles, listen, Paul said, you're rejecting him. Not all the Jews, the whole early church was Jewish and there's still many Jewish Christians, but, but the bulk of them prophesied, it was prophesied by the prophets and confirmed that they were going to reject the one true Messiah, the first coming, second coming, they're going to accept him, but they're going to reject him. But the Gentiles will listen. Paul says, you have rejected, but the Gentiles will. I've been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen, he said in the book of Acts. They will listen. And that's what this is a picture of. They were rejecting the one true God for the idols, but, but Naaman rejected all the idols for the one true God. And when he did that, there was a dramatic 
instant change. He had a whole new worldview, a whole new way of looking at everything. And that's why a lot of people say, I accepted Jesus, but their worldview has not changed. They still believe everything the world throws at them and in the same lies that the world spews on a regular basis. And, and it's just shocking to me. And I just have to think, hmm. Did they really put their faith in Jesus Christ? Because Naaman put his faith in, in God and there was a radical change. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ, there should be a radical change. If there's not a radical change, then we got to rethink this. You better make sure. Make your, with, with, make your calling and election sure. With fear and trembling. Well, it's very important to check ourselves. There should be a dramatic change in our life. I'm not saying we're perfect, you know. Only a few people are. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm not saying we're perfect, but there should be a dramatic change. And then sanctification should be a, a consistent, progressive thing that we're seeing. If that doesn't happen, we better check our, check our faith, uh, make sure it's for real. I remember when I was a kid, I've been telling a lot of electric stories lately, and I remember when I was a kid, uh, told the electric fence one and a couple different ones, but I remember when I was a kid, I was little, I can't even remember how old I was. I was pretty small. I just remember I was small, maybe three or four. But I remember this like it was yesterday. I remember I, I saw a pair of scissors and I picked up the scissors and I, I, I put them, I went over to the electric socket on the wall and I said, I wonder what would happen if I, because I knew electricity, I saw plugging in lights and all that. I wonder what would happen if I plug, plug the scissors into that socket. And I'll never forget, I, I shoved the scissors into that electric socket I don't remember a lot after that. I just remember my mom saying, what happened? What did you do? <laughs> Freaking out. She, she, she didn't, she, she what did, why, no, why did you, she knew, she didn't have to say what did you, she saw what happened. She knew I had electricity had jolted through my body. She saw the effect. She, I, she was more like, why did you do this? Why? That was a what? She knew because she could see the effect of electricity. And let me tell you something, no one had to explain what she, why, I, no, I never did explain that to her, she, no, how do you explain that? But, but what happened, she could see it. And when we get plugged into the Holy Spirit, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into us, dwells in us, there has to be a change, like with Naaman. A, a, a dramatic instant change. We may not get boof, knocked off our feet, but, but that we know something has changed. We read the Bible and it comes alive. We're, we start to do sinful activities that God doesn't want us doing because they're destructive, self-destructive. And, and we do them and we're like, we don't get the joy out of it, the fun out of it anymore. We can't enjoy, not the joy, the enjoying out of it anymore. There's no such thing as joy with sin. If we enjoy it for a short time and it kills us uh, or hurts us or hurts somebody else. And we can't get it anymore and, and there's a dramatic change we're convicted now we have conviction and we and the holy spirit speaking to us and and all of a sudden we're a lot more patient and loving and forgiving and because god's forgiven us it, but lifelong progressive sanctification but there's been a dramatic change that's what we should all see we should see that if we really put our faith in jesus christ just like naaman and and we must all be born again just like naaman was born again physically like a new person we should we must be born again it has to happen to every one of us it has to happen there's no such thing as a christian who has not been born again that if you've not been born again you're not a christian i Seen a lot of different celebrities and politicians say, "Well, I'm a I'm a Christian. I'm not a born again Christian, but I'm a Christian." Uh, I've seen religious figures say that. And I always say, "Check them off the list." 
It's impossible. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said it's impossible. John 3, verse 3 says this. <clears throat> In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And the word born again literally means born from above. It means to be spiritually born. Just like we're physically born, we should spiritually born. In fact, he says this, Nicodemus, he, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Going to be too big for that, aren't we? Verse 5, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Hear what Jesus said? You must be born again. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is, ever, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You must be born again. If you've been born physically, great. But you must be born spiritually. It must happen how? John 3, 16, where he tells us a few verses later. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever believed? The word believe means to put your faith. It doesn't mean intellectual. It's a heart thing. It's a complete thing where we, we put our complete trust and dependence in what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross. God loved the world so much he gave his only son to die on that cross. We must believe in him. Have you ever done that? But that's not the last bath. So that's the first bath in the river, washed of our sins, just like Naaman, we're saved. But that's not the last bath we must take. I'm going to come back to that in just a few minutes about being born again. But it's not the last bath we must take. We must also come to Jesus Christ after salvation, after putting our faith in Jesus, we must keep coming back to him for our daily cleansing, for our sanctification. This isn't saving faith. We've already done that. This is living by faith. The sanctification. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We have to keep confessing and coming to him and being purified. Very, very important. We're saved but now it's all about sanctification. And there's a lot of baths that come with that. Lots of baths. Uh, in uh, Gilgal. In Gilgal, where Elisha lived, that's where the Israelites, when they first followed Joshua through the river, they ended up in Gilgal. That's the first location in the new land. They went salvation. They're in the land. The very first place to end up is in Gilgal. And guess what they did there? Back in the book of Judge, Joshua. Book of Joshua. Circumcision. All the males had to be circumcised. That is, they should have already been circumcised. Their parents weren't godly. That's why they were all dead out in the desert somewhere. They weren't godly parents. They were faithless. But the, 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 everybody who had come through that next generation, 40 and under, they were all circumcised at the same time. That, that had to be painful. All these men being circumcised. But you know what? Holiness hurts. And they couldn't go any further until they dealt with sin. They, you're not, God said, you're not going any further into the promised land until you cut out the sin, cut out the flesh. And, and holiness hurts. You're not going any further until it happens. They had to, it, 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 they, circumcision is a picture of killing the flesh. It's a picture of cutting out the flesh. It's painful. 
I, I can't even imagine. It happened when I was a little baby, like, you know, just first born. It was painful, but it was a picture of defeating sin and defeating the strongholds in life. And that's what we are called to do. That's what 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 is all about. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. If you haven't memorized this one, you're missing out. This is the verse for USA Today. It's a verse for the Christians today. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not everybody's going to heaven. Do not be deceived. Not everybody's going to heaven. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. And Paul says that's what some of you were. Hey, that's what we all were, weren't we? We could add to that list, couldn't we? But look at that list. And what are people told today? You can do all those things, live all those things, make these things your identity. And still, God's okay with that. That Paul says, do not be deceived. That is what some of you were, but you were washed Here we go. Connect it. Washed. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were washed and sanctified. That's what happens to us. This is what it's talking about, that we were washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and needed to be daily washed to keep seeing progressive victory over these struggles. And sanctified, set apart, and that sanctification should be a daily progression. We still could struggle with some of these things. We could still be obviously tempted with them till the day we die. But we should see progressive victory over these things. We, these can't be our identity. They can't be our identity. We can't be sexually immoral, idolater, adulterer, male prostitutes, homosexual offenders, thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanders, swindlers. We can't be any of those things. That can't be our identity. If we're a Christian, we have repented. We've been justified just as if we never sinned. Washed, sanctified. That's who we are in Jesus Christ. Are you experiencing this washing? Are you experiencing this sanctification? Are you experiencing this by daily faith? Daily faith. Have you dipped seven times? Name in seven times. Complete, complete washing. It's a complete death of self. Have you done that? Are you keep persevering in this? Are you keep coming to God for that washing and that sanctification and the fully realizing our justification, just as if we never sinned? Are you, are you doing that on a daily basis? It's a battle. And the world tells us the opposite. And a lot of churches tell us the opposite now. A lot of false teaching out there. But God's word says that could be what we is. Once we put our faith in Jesus, that's what I was. That's what some of you were. I was those. Any one of us could be any of those things, right? But that's not who we are today. We could still struggle. We could still slip. We could still fall. But we get back up. We go to God for our for our washing and our sanctification, and it becomes what we were. More and more, what we were. As our life goes on, we leave those things behind, further and further behind us. Have you taken that step of sanctification? Are you doing that on a regular basis, living by faith? Have you been baptized? Have you taken that next step of that very important next step after salvation? Have you been baptized? Talk to me. Have you been born again? I want to say, those who are already Christians, this is for those who aren't yet. Have you been 
born again. Do you realize there is one way? One way. So many people today say, it doesn't matter which river you wash in as long as you wash in a river. doesn't matter who you put your trust in. There's all these sons of God, Buddha and Muhammad and all these different, you know, religion, the, the Dalai Lama and, you know, they're all sons of God. doesn't matter what you... No, 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 no. no. Uh, that's not true. Uh, you, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There's no other way. There's no other washing. It, 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 there's no other river. It, it, don't fall for the lie that you can wash in any river you want. I was reading about uh, the, the Ganges River in India. I've been in India and I've seen the river. And, and they were, it's a sacred place for the Hindu faith. But there's, I was reading about it recently that it was so polluted so polluted, they were telling the faithful not to bathe in it. It's so dirty. Not only do people drink out of it, but they're bathing in it. And, and they said, it's so dirty, you shouldn't even get in the water. But it's tough because millions of people there believe that the waters of the Ganges washes away sin. That if you can just get in that water and wash, that would free the bathers of a continuous cycle of birth and reincarnation and would grant them immortality. That's how they break the cycle of, of reincarnation and they reach their immortal state is by washing in this river. It's one of the main ways of, of getting their cleansing of their sin. But listen, it, it can't even clean the body. <laughs> if it can't clean your body, it's not cleaning your soul. It is a lie. There is one river. It's the Jordan River. There is one way. You, you must follow Jesus Christ into that Jordan River. Follow him into that river. His death, his resurrection, we must put our faith in him. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Have you been washed in the Jordan? Have you followed Jesus Christ with a leap of faith? Have you followed him into that river and died to your old self so that you could have a new life in Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Do you have eternal life by putting your faith in Jesus Christ? You can do that right now. Today can be your day of salvation. Now can be the time of God's favor for your life. Right now. The simple prayer of faith. You can't earn it. Just like Naaman tried to earn it. You can't earn it. All you can do is receive it, the gift of salvation, by opening your heart and opening your, your heart and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. The simple prayer of faith, God, I repent of my sin, of everything in my life that goes against what you want for me, anything that goes against your word, I repent of that. I want it to be what I was. That's what I was. It's not who I want to be now. I'm asking you to justify me and wash me and sanctify me. I put my faith in Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. His death and resurrection for me. I put my faith in him. I give my life 
to Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you are just like Naaman. You have just gone under the water and come back out again, a brand new, born again, spiritually reborn, new creation in Jesus Christ. You have just stuck your scissors into the electrical socket, way stronger than anything you could get here on the earth. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Your life will never be the same. Your eyes are going to be opened. Your mind is going to be transformed. You are now washed, sanctified, and justified through Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I want to encourage you to let somebody know because we're going to be excited for you, but also help you grow spiritually. We're going to help you keep moving forward spiritually, growing. You're a baby Christian now. You're going to have to learn how to walk and run and wrestle and fight. You're going to have to learn it all through God's Word and the Holy Spirit's power. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe we have, we've put our faith in Jesus, we experienced His power, but we have not continued our sanctification process. We haven't developed a biblical worldview. We've fallen for a lot of the world's lies. And they're out there constantly bombarding us. Maybe even this list that I read in 1 Corinthians 6-9, there's some struggles that you've already gone back to and given into and surrendered to. But the Holy Spirit's convicting you today to get back up and to persevere and to, and to move forward in your sanctification. Get whatever help you need from any Christian you need to get it from. Christian pastor, Christian brother and sister in Christ, uh, a Christian counselor, get whatever help you need, but, but to break those strongholds to cut it out, to, to circumcise the flesh. Don't be shaken up by old temptations. Don't let the strongholds continue. We can break free. It's what we were. And that's the first important step is understanding that. God, it's what I was. I put my faith in the, that fact and now I'm going to act on that fact. Romans 6. Father, I pray that every person hearing this will move forward in their salvation and their sanctification. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.